Welcome to the Vulnerability Rocks podcast. You're listening to Emma Bell, and I believe that true healing starts with sharing. Today, I'm really happy and grateful to welcome my friend Laura Beddo to join me on the Vulnerability Rocks podcast. Um, Laura is my friend from back in Brighton, and I wanted to bring Laura on because I wanted to invite her to talk about her experience um, and what has led her to do the work that she's called to do today. Laura is a spiritual hypnotherapist and a women's life coach, and she is specialising in pre and postnatal uh, care for women. And part of her story Um, obviously with everyone's story there's lots to it but the part that we're going to talk about mostly today is her journey to secondary motherhood right because she was already a mother (laughs) to her son Riley um, but she is with her fiance and they have been on a journey to have their new little baby girl and it very sadly entails loss and pregnancy loss and baby loss and Laura was actually booked to come on this podcast before um, what happened to me in the last two weeks, but I wanted to go ahead and do this recording with her today because it's current, it's real, it happens to people, and I just feel like actually we should do this conversation. So listeners bear with us because it's really um, personal and it's really painful and it's affected both of us today on this call but I know that I can trust and hold this space with Laura to discuss this and hopefully it will help some other women and other men who are supporting their women and also experiencing that loss themselves so Laura welcome welcome to the podcast Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. And as Emma said, we did organise this when Emma was pregnant and we were going to be talking about pregnancy loss. And I was concerned when I had it in my diary for Emma to be talking about this when it is so raw and before we started this conversation today before we started recording I did say to Emma if she wants to stop this at any time then she should do that because pregnancy loss is a roller coaster ride after a roller coaster of emotions and yeah you just need to and the way that Emma is dealing with this is just so she's honoring herself she's honoring her body and she's listening to what it needs and right now she feels like it needs to be helping other women and that's helping her to process so I am so in awe of your courage and I'm sure that so many women will be as well um, watching this and I hope that this will help other women that are processing this horrible thing that happens to so many women and and up until I think the last few years it hasn't really been spoken about nearly as much as what it should be it's been one of those things like shh don't talk about that um 
but yeah we'll dive deeper I think as the interview goes on first of all thank thank you for like it's really weird because normally um these podcasts are me holding space for someone else I feel like we're both going to be holding each other through this so yes. thank you and I'm <laughs> I'm grateful it's good this interview could switch guys you know <laughs> but no it won't but you know like uh it's I think it's an equal um respectful space so thank you um I would like you to start with the beginning of your kind of journey to secondary motherhood because um I'm really interested to know when for you because everyone realises at different times that their journey to parenthood, first time, second time or third time, all of a sudden we come up against problems, loss, fertility issues. Uh, you know, it's different for every person. So I'd love to hear from you how your journey went and when was that first moment of, oh, this is like, this is hard because I'm, my moment, you know, is different to yours. But I remember that. I remember like, oh, you know, we spend so long getting told, don't get pregnant, whatever you do. That was my sex education. You know, that's as far as it went. Don't get pregnant. <laughs> and um, But no one really educates you on the other side of this and guess what this isn't going to be easy and it's going to be hard and tough and gut-wrenching and all of that so I'd just love to hear your experience and your journey really well it's interesting that you said that your piece of advice was don't get pregnant because clearly that was not my advice I had a baby at 18 years old (laughs) so uh, my son Riley no problems whatsoever I was actually on the pill and fell pregnant with my son Riley so yeah so I just thought that that would always be my experience and I had him very young and I I, I pretty much brought him up on my own and went through traumatic relationships and then I met my fiance now Nick who is absolutely my soulmate and um, you know, I truly believe like my work is all around um, universal laws and honouring our bodies. And I believe that the universe brought me to Nick and he is 10 years older than me. And we didn't start trying for a baby. It was actually the story around us wanting to have a baby um, was purely by accident. We were really happy in our relationship we'd moved in together and we were at a place where you like a flying experience and I hit my eye and I I don't normally go to the doctors for things really I'm I'm the sort of person I sort of pull my socks off up and get on with things and well that's how I used to be I didn't really listen to my body I used to be the sort of person, I mean, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. Anyway, so I I, I ended up having to go and um, ha- I had an eye la- laceration, I had to go to the doctors. And whilst I was at the doctors, I was having these extreme, extreme pain um, down below. And I, I just mentioned it whilst I was at the doctors. I was like, whilst I'm here, I've been having some really bad cramps and um 
just wondering if, if you think that I should have a checkup on that. And she's like, you're not pregnant, are you? And I was like, no, 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 I, I'm not pregnant. I've, I've had a period. And she was like, I think you should probably do a pregnancy test. So I went home. So they don't give you them on the NHS in England anymore. I had to go and buy one and I went home. Anyway, I was sitting on the toilet and um, looked at it and I nearly fell off the toilet seat because it said I was pregnant. And I was quite relieved and happy inside. I thought, oh my God, we're having a baby. Like you do, that's the natural reaction. Um, then after that, about 10, 20 minutes after that, the pain started again really like really painful and I thought this is not good this is really not good so I rang the doctor back and I explained what was happening she said you better come back they asked me to do another test in the toilet and I nearly collapsed and luckily I was at the the doctors at that time because they I rushed up to the hospital they did an examination on me um, at the time um, and I think that's when my fallopian tube actually erupted while she was doing the examination they told me basically I did not know either that before so I'd never heard of really of a ectopic pregnancy basically an ectopic pregnancy is where the baby is trapped in the fallopian tube and I kept, all I kept saying to the nurses, I just want to save the baby. Mm. I just want to save the baby. Didn't know that there's no way that they can save the baby, which is, of course, so sad. And anyway, so she said, if you can walk to have a scan, then we will, we will scan you. I got up and collapsed. I don't remember anything after that and woke up in a hospital bed um, very disorientated and I remember just the nurse saying you've asked us that so many times now I'd still feel tearful when I think about it now um, they said that, that you we we couldn't save the baby the baby mm. just <laughs> thinking about that it's, it, even now that tears me up and it's because I was so disorientated coming round and um sorry I just got to take a breath I didn't realize I was going to get sad <laughs> so much work on it but it's okay because that is it is sad <laughs> what you what happened to you was there was no time for you to no. anything and it, it it makes sense to me that it would still affect you now yeah, it was traumatic because I nearly died. Yeah. Uh, they said if you wasn't in the hospital when that happened, you would have died. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. I, I couldn't talk about it for a lot. This is actually the first time I've ever talked about it. Um, talked about it in a space like this, I think. I'm ready to, but, yeah, it's the first time I've ever... And, and you know what? I've turned it into gold I'm going to help so many women with this yeah. and move forwards and their trauma and that PTSD and there still must be a little bit there for me so I'm going to go and look at that now because 
it's still a little bit there, you know. So as I came round, I I felt so sad and so low. Um, and I was told I had one floping tube removed. So I had keyhole surgery and yeah, they've removed one floping tube. So, so for me, um, I'm 34 years old now. That happened at 32. Um, so for a while after that, I felt I really wanted a baby. It made me realise how much I wanted a baby. And my partner, it made him realise how much he wanted a baby as well. And, yeah, I obviously had the worries and concerns that I wouldn't be able to have a... I wouldn't be able to get pregnant easily now because I had one fallopian tube, mm. um, which is... A, after you lose a baby as well, it's so normal and natural... Uh, this is not something I want to stress to women if you're watching this to not want to have sex after that experience because it's you know it's it you you feel bloated sore all of those things but you also want a baby so it's like a weird paradox um and also once you get past the the pain of what has happened you're grieving something that, you know, that uh, something that you would have liked, even though I hadn't planned it. It's a very strange time and very up and down that time, even though I hadn't planned it. I hadn't planned any of it. I just knew that I, now we wanted a baby and maybe it wasn't possible, yeah. but it is possible. Um, Clearly, because I have a little girl. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, um, I I remember going through a stage after that. Every time I had a period, I would just have a breakdown and feel awful. Just awful. And I believe that I, and I've been told this um, by some treatments that I've had, that the baby that was there, the soul, was still there and wasn't leaving at that time so so I it was like a phantom pregnancy almost so that's I, I believe that for me that's what was happening anyway I am a, I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason and I believe that that happened to me to make me to connect to my body to make me start to tune into myself because before that I didn't look at my cycles. I didn't honour myself if I felt ill. I would just, I would be like, no, I need to carry on and have a very masculine outlook on how I would do things. So I believe that that happened to me for that reason. So four months later, I ended up leaving my job. I was working in a corporate place with somebody that wasn't very nice to me. And it was a woman treated me quite badly after that experience, actually said to me two weeks after I'd got in that, why are my figures failing? Mm. Just like, I nearly died. <laughs> That's why. Um, and yeah, and then that triggered me to go for my dreams and set up the healing room. So that that's what came out of that. So I left my old corporate job and after I left and handed my resignation, I found out that I was pregnant again. <laughs> so I'm interested to know how you felt having had that experience 
Um, and then to find out you were pregnant again after every month, and I know that feeling, every month the period comes and you're devastated. I That has been my year, the last year. So I know that feeling and it's, it's just, I can't even find the right word for it, but it's devastating every month. Um, so then to find out you were then pregnant, how did you feel in that moment? Scared. Mm. Very scared mm. in that moment. But excited and happy and ecstatic and everything. I just, it was amazing. And I actually put in an envelope, I surprised Nick. We we came, he came home and I'd put in an envelope, the pregnancy test with a little note saying, you're gonna be a dad. And yeah, it was just amazing. But I was so frightened the whole time. Yeah. Every appointment I went to. So because I'd had an ectopic pregnancy, I had to have a six week scan. Yeah. And there was a heartbeat, a little fluttering heartbeat on that monitor. And so I just thought everything's going to be fine. This is going to be fine. Still a little bit frightened inside the whole time, but I started to tell people, I got excited about it. And yeah, I, I felt pregnant. I felt I, I had all of the symptoms that you get, you know, the nausea, the cravings, everything. And the scan for my 12 weeks, I remember it well. I, I even thought it was a sign 1010 the time was 10.10 that the appointment was at. I thought that's a sign from the universe. It's, it's synchronicity. This is gonna be, this is gonna be fine. And we went to that appointment. I actually took my son because it was his birthday that day, his 15th birthday. And I said, you know, this is gonna be a present for you to see your brother or sister. Mm. And we all sat down and she said to me, she said to me, I, how many weeks are you supposed to be? I thought at the time that she was going to say, you're going, you're further along. She said, I am so sorry. The baby hasn't got a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay, actually, uh, this shows you that hypnotherapy really does work because now I can talk about that experience mm -hmm. and the emotion is being removed. I've done a lot of work around that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I haven't on the, on the first one. So that just shows that I do need to go away and do a little bit of work on that. Mm -hmm. But this is good because it's shown me that there is still some emotion and not that that's a bad thing, but there's still some PTSD around that for me to have reacted the way that, that I did. And crying is okay. Like I've seen that you posted that you have literally sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I, and I did, I sobbed. I, yeah, <laughs> it was a really, really sad time um, again. And so, because I knew that feeling of how I felt on that day. I was so thrown. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I felt like saying to her, are you joking? Yeah. I had all of the symptoms. I was, I was, had that belly and mm. I just, I just, I just could not 
believe it. And it, my son was there. What you just oh, oh. so what you've experienced the second time then was a missed miscarriage. Yes. So my body was acting, doing everything that it should be doing to yeah. carry a baby. Mm. And that my body thought that the baby was fine. So no bleeding, no yeah. anything, yeah. no sign of a miscarriage yeah. and in my mind I kept thinking this isn't a miscarriage I could not get my head around that my body hasn't shown me any blood yeah why why is this classed as a miscarriage and I went to have the operation I couldn't take the tablet I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it I just couldn't sit and wait it's not I just could not do that and yeah just even going down to theatre, um, the, one of the guys that was there obviously didn't read my notes and he was like, what's the matter with you, love? And then he read my notes and he was like, I'm so sorry. Um, Do you know what? That's one of the things that I've found the hardest is, um, it is dealing with people saying the wrong thing in that especially in that time when you're like for me between getting the baby being diagnosed and having to have that termination for medical reasons at 13 and a half weeks knowing that the baby's heartbeat was still beating it was just so difficult and I live in Dubai and we had to fly back to the UK I didn't have any clothes that were warm enough to come back to the UK in November so I had to go to the shops and buy maternity jeans to fly back and have a termination for medical reasons. So as I'm in the shop, I've got people congratulating me that I'm pregnant because I'm buying maternity jeans. <laughs> I'm like 12 and a half weeks by this point. And yeah. it's just, it's hard. And I was at the airport and I was visibly looking pregnant at people offering me a seat because I'm a pregnant woman and I didn't take the seat because I felt like a fraud but I was still pregnant and my baby's heartbeat was still beating and my hips were killing me and I still felt sick and the smell of meat was turning my stomach and <laughs> you know it's just it's a really really mad headspace to be in. I can, can remember as well just crying and crying and crying to Nick saying I feel like an idiot Oh, I feel like an idiot. I feel like how? Why did I tell people? What like all of this stuff? Like oh, I um, I've got a picture that when you post this out, I'm gonna post um, that where we was at my sister's twenty fifth birthday, and he was kissing the bump. Oh, and I've never posted it before, but it's and bless Nick as well because the men go for it as well the yeah. men the, I don't think um you know the men the men have to obviously look after you and they don't they've still lost a baby they've still seen the heartbeat they've still been to all of the appointments and here in the UK right now men can't go into the appointment can you imagine finding out that news without Gareth no 
just I, I do you know what I've been thinking about that a lot because obviously I'm here in Dubai and we went through fertility treatment for this pregnancy so I had a pregnancy in January where I found out I was pregnant I didn't tell anyone and at five weeks pregnant the I bled so it's technically called a chemical pregnancy because even though it's implanted it's not long enough to get to a six-week scan or whatever um but I still had all of that like feeling and that was after fertility treatment in the January and then we did three failed rounds and then this round and because the pregnancy was through fertility treatment a bit like you you have to go for that early scan but I had to go for blood tests every two days scans weekly all the way up to 10 weeks so my pregnancy was monitored so closely because of the miscarriage before and also because of the drugs that I was still taking to support the pregnancy and the fertility treatment and and I just said to Gareth I said you know I really feel for the parents in the UK at the moment because I couldn't imagine that like scansiety is like a real thing right mm-hmm. <laughs> and the more I speak to other women the more real I realize it is um, especially when you've had a high risk pregnancy or you've had loss before and you're being under, closer observed, which is great. But at the same time, the anxiety around every scan is you don't, for me, I didn't go into the scan like, yeah, I'm going to have a scan. I was like, Oh my God, I hope everything is okay. Every single time. And yeah. I said, I can't imagine having to do this alone. Um, and I certainly can't imagine being at that my NT scan where they do the fluid on the baby, which is when we found out that the baby was poorly. I couldn't imagine being in that scan on my own. And I just, my heart goes out to anybody that's in this space at the moment, because the challenges, it it, it just makes everything so much harder and pregnancy, even a straightforward pregnancy. And I hate to say that because I don't think any pregnancy is straightforward actually, because every woman really goes through it. You've got hormones kicking in. It's hard. Every pregnancy, some might be easier than others, but I believe every pregnancy has its challenges. So I don't believe that there's a straightforward pregnancy because I think every woman feels it, right? You go through the mill. And to do any of it without a partner there, it must be really hard. And also for the dads, they're all like, they don't get to carry the pregnancy. So these appointments are like real opportunities for connection, for connecting to the pregnancy and the baby. And, and I just feel like people are really being robbed of that right now. Yeah, I really, I don't understand why we're, why the government are allowing you to go to a one-on-one appointment with a personal trainer, but you're not allowed to take your partner into a scan. For their child. <laughs> I don't get that whatsoever. But I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand it. And it's just, I hope it changes soon for everybody. Um, so, yes, yeah, sorry, going back to your situation. So... So then talk me through, so that picture, you said that you felt stupid for telling people. Yeah, and and I think that is why, I think that's why people, women, decide to be secretive around it. That's where I think it stems from, because of the pain. Mm -hmm. I think that 
women find it difficult to open up when that's why it's like a big secret until you're 12 weeks mm-hmm. um and that's how we decided to move forward with it with Arabella mm-hmm. I decided not to tell anyone because I of the pain that I felt yeah um and also people obviously that didn't know that I'd lost a baby asking me how the pregnancy was going. And I'm sure that you're going to experience that. And yeah, every time I had to explain it brought it back and I was really traumatized around it. And I think that it was the trauma came from going to the scan, just thinking that everything was going. I was having every symptom you know and and unlike you mm. you know yeah. i just i wasn't prepared i was not prepared i i actually think i was so naive to think before that happened to me that scans were just to see the baby kicking around on the screen and not to do any of these checks and I just, I think I was quite naive. I think lots of women are quite naive. They just think, yay, I'm going to see my baby. Mm-hmm. And not thinking what's behind that. Yeah. And because uh, Riley was so straightforward from what I can remember, as you said, you know, I, I, I had in my it, its own challenges, mm-hmm. um, like nausea and things like that, but pretty straightforward and a vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah i just didn't i didn't think about it and i didn't realize that it was so common and it's only when women like me and you stand up and say i've lost a baby that other people so many women will say i lost a baby but women friends that i'd known for years turned around and said to me oh yeah i've lost two babies i'm like how the hell have you never told me this yeah well it's funny i found obviously as you know i was um really open about my fertility journey and getting pregnant because for me I didn't tell anyone that I was starting fertility treatment at the end of last year and then I got pregnant and had that very early loss and for my everyone's different but for me for my mental health pretend I just couldn't pretend that I was okay and so for me the only way to move forward with it was to like blow the lid on it and like just start sharing that we were going through this I don't think I started sharing until after I'd had the pregnancy loss and then I had a failed fertility round so I was two rounds in and I started sharing from the third round which didn't work fourth round didn't work fifth round just got pregnant this time and for me it was helpful so I'm just I just believe that everyone should do what helps them and if you feel that not speaking is damaging your mental and emotional health in some way then speak and I just think everyone should be free to do what they do with no time constraints either way just whatever helps you get through and process do that like do you and for me I just found it helpful to just be like you know totally open everyone everyone around me knew and I'm like yep going through a cycle now and if it didn't work I was given grace I was given space and people like do you know what just take a day like just Mm. last round didn't work and it sucks and you know and it and it just helped me feel freer 
with what we I admire that and I admired watching your and I admired watching the journey but just that little part of me that was like oh I just hope that this yeah this is not gonna end badly yeah and, and that's I think I think oh, my heart broke with you oh. and obviously so many people that were you know thousands of people that are watching you and and that's that's just that's just that's just real but that is you're what you're doing is amazing mm. it's so so amazing um, I wanted to give some tips on what I found really useful um when I was going through the going through it all and um, to move past it and also just wanted to obviously talk about now that that's what I do for work so I'm not working at the moment I've had a baby um and I'm on maternity leave but um, when I go back my career is pivoted I want to really focus and home in on helping people pre and postnatal so I've been on the whole journey as have you um what my top one of my top tips is it, you are grieving so allow yourself to grieve and what really really was beautiful for me and Nick what something that we did together is we went and bought a rosebush mm. from our local gardening centre and we gave our baby a name Evie May and we felt that it was a girl spirit and we have got it in our back garden that's one of the things that we did together and we both wrote her a letter to say goodbye um I think that that's a really lovely ritual to do and I believe that um every woman whether you when you've carried a child every baby is a miracle whether they make it here or not and it is my belief that it isn't over. Their spirit is still wanting to come to you. Their soul has chosen you as their mum mm -hmm. and they will find their way to you. And that has been my experience. I do believe that Arabella's soul, she was waiting to come down. 2020, the year, she's going to be <laughs> a very spiritual young young lady she's very strong-willed already i think she's gonna have to be in the new world we're living in i know i know hypnotherapy is what desensitized me to the ptsd and what did you call it scan scanxiety like anxiety like anxiety but anxiety <laughs> that is a hundred percent a real thing it's super real like i've had so many women um that i've connected with and yeah scanxiety is a real deal when you are a mama that has had loss or gone through fertility treatment and you know failed fertility rounds um the feelings that are being shared with me everyone's experiencing that same thing because they don't hop skip and jump into a scan no. they're going into that scan holding their breath going please just tell me everything's okay please just tell me everything's okay yeah. 
wishing, hoping with every ounce of their being, please just tell me everything's okay. And that was, for me, that was you know, every scan that we had was, and because, you know, at some point we were getting scanned twice a week, especially when I started spot bleeding at nine to 10 weeks. We then went in twice in that week for a scan. And um, yeah, I mean, you just go into saying, please, please just tell me that there's still a heartbeat. Please just tell me that the baby's still there, that it's not, you know, a blighted ovum that I've discovered is a thing that people tend to find out, you know, that they, they go for their dating scan and their body thinks they're pregnant and the, the the ovum's blighted but because everything else has started to form around it there's no actual baby inside but their body thinks they're pregnant um it's a real thing you know and like you you know this missed miscarriage is just your body doesn't know your body doesn't know that your baby your baby's heartbeat stopped your body doesn't know that and i've spoken to so many women and they they're pregnant right these women it's not they're not making it up. This isn't, you know, they're truly pregnant and they go in and get this awful, awful news. And I don't know what that feels like because that wasn't my story exactly, but it's real. And this is happening to people and people don't talk about it. And they do feel what I have learned from other women sharing their stories with me is that people are filled with this feeling of I'm stupid or some shame on some level or something that's like a, like a negative against themselves. And I just feel heartbroken that that's the truth because there's no shame in this and there is no fault in this. It, it's cruel, it's shitty, it's horrid, it's heartbreaking and it shouldn't be anything that anyone has to go through at five weeks, six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, 28 weeks, 36 weeks. You know, by sharing this so openly, I've had so many women share their stories with me at all variants of stages of pregnancy. And a big theme like you've shared with me is that they go away feeling stupid for being excited about their pregnancy. They feel stupid for sharing. They feel some shame on some level. And it breaks my heart because it's just not fair. It's not a burden that any woman should have to carry because when you do get pregnant, you should feel excited. Yeah. You know? And you should be allowed to experience joy and all of those things. And fear is just an awful thing, but fear comes from the reality of loss and the reality of the sad parts of life that are. And we can't deny that, right? So we're cautious because as humans, we don't want to get hurt. We try and protect ourselves. But I just feel sad. I feel sad that people of that joy and that, you know, you, you, like I did, I had every right to feel happy at six weeks, eight weeks when I went into my scan and they told me my baby was okay. I had every right to feel happy that day, you know? And it's just, it's just sad, isn't it? That um, these experiences then rob us of that joy or we feel stupid for having that joy. And I just, it saddens me that it's so, do you know? Yeah. And how did you feel? So obviously you've gone through, your first loss which I know you say you didn't plan for didn't know about but you had you had like nanoseconds to process that before it became your reality right and 
and uh, it makes sense to me that it, it's so it's massive it is massive that it doesn't matter whether you planned for it or not in actual fact the fact you didn't plan for it and you didn't know about it almost makes it heavier because it all just happened to you like a ton of bricks in like minutes and um and it's huge it's a huge thing to process and um and then you've obviously gone through this second pregnancy and like you said you took your son and that was supposed to be a really happy day and another like it's shock it's a shock it's shocking right to it's just nothing you'd ever believe would happen especially because you had your six week scan you know mm -hmm. it's reassuring a lot of people don't get their scan it's, i know in the uk especially till later but similarly to me you know i had early scan i had lots of early scans that were all reassuring growth heartbeat you know all of that so you sort of go in armed with that because we've you've had a first look right and then it's just like a you know you've had to deal with that all over again and and you chose to have the surgical option and I had to, I chose to fly back to the UK and and be asleep when that happened for me um everyone has to connect with a charity called ARC and there's a bit on their website and it says you will choose the option that seems the least worst. And I thought, do you know what? That's exactly it because there is no good option mm. when you're faced with news like that, like you were, you know, your baby is inside you still, but the pregnancy is not going to continue. Something physical has to happen, right? That the baby and the pregnancy has to come out of you. And no, there's no nice option on the table and it's not spoken about enough. And the way that that charity sums it up by saying you will know what's right for you because you will choose the least worst option that feels the least worst to you. And I thought that's exactly right because there is no good option. There's nothing that feels okay in this mm. moment. It all feels terrible. So you just have to choose the one that feels the least worst. Um, but it's accurate. It was an accurate description. Um, so you then, after that, your body needs some time, your mind needs some time, your heart needs some time. How did you move through that afterwards and process that to then go on to be pregnant with your lovely, beautiful little girl now, Arabella? So after that, I... I really, I just struggled for quite a long time. Um, on a physical level as well, because I was looking 12 weeks pregnant and I had to deal with the fact that I was chubby and I didn't have anything to show for it. Oh God, do you know and how I've said that word, that exact thing this last week and a bit? All this, like, exactly that, all this, and I've got nothing, to, there's nothing, not I've got nothing like a possession, but there's nothing to yes. show all of this. Yes. I hear you. And I actually went, I was going to the gym. I, I took a little bit of time out of the gym. Um, I love to work out anyway. Um, and um, I just, I didn't feel great. I felt, I just, I just felt 
all, all the hormones are still going on. Your body, if you do a pregnancy test, like up to a week later, you still say, say you're pregnant, your body thinks that you're pregnant. Um, and actually, uh, the doctors kindly text me uh, two weeks later saying, can you please take a pregnancy test? I was like, why? <laughs> Thanks. I really don't want to. Um, and yeah, um, and then, I, no, I think that's after my ectopic actually, because my boss at the time was like, oh, why, are you getting, why are you getting so upset, Laura, about this? Oh. So I was at my desk. It's just something you have to do. It's just a process. That's what she said to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I I remember going to the gym. Um, the girl I train with now, she's obviously at the moment we're in a lockdown in the UK, but um, she was coming to my house after I've had Arabella. And the first time I ever met her, was in the gym uh, near my house, Virgin. And I went into her office and I was like, oh, I just, I just lost a baby um, and I just want to lose the weight and just burst into tears in her office. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. She's like, do not be sorry. Yeah. Um, and was so lovely. And she is a lovely girl. And yeah just remember just feeling really lost and it wasn't until I went on my cousin's Hindu and I really surrounded myself with women um, and just really let my hair down and got it all out that I had started to process and I what I did to really move on from it is I really grounded myself into work Mm. and I threw myself into work and I started to organize um a online well it was online in the end but I, I you were one of the speakers yeah. the healing fest okay so I threw myself into that okay. and I just put getting pregnant on the back burner I, I just didn't want to put myself through that for a while again yeah and yeah yeah it's um the one thing that i realize isn't spoken about enough and thank you for sharing your experience of this i was hoping that you would is because i'm realizing that when a loss happens the bit that's not spoken about at i mean the loss isn't spoken about nearly as much as it needs to be but the reality of what actually you have to go through isn't isn't spoken about like anywhere <laughs> and you know the fact that what you just said you know my body was still 12 weeks pregnant you know I'm still dealing with the fact that I have pregnant boobs that are tender that are veiny that are big that I can't wear a normal bra you know I still have a tummy I still got pain in my hips from where my hips were starting to expand which I've also learned people that carry Edward's babies get bigger quicker and it might be because of all the excess fluid and that so but you know you're learning all this stuff but the reality is my body hasn't got the memo <laughs> yet yeah. and um and I'm just just thank you for sharing that because I feel really passionately that the 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 one thing you need when you go through something like this 
is information and as hard as that information is to someone to be sort of real with you about what what might come your way because otherwise it just feels like blow after blow after blow and I've been very lucky I've had a couple of women who've messaged me saying now I don't want to upset they've gone through it themselves they're like I don't want to upset you but you know basically your body might not get the memo straight away and this is what you might expect and yeah okay it was hard to hear but I'm also grateful for the heads up because the things you just don't even think about like especially when you're going through a loss that you weren't prepared for nobody's prepared for you don't think about all these other things that are going to physically affect you after the baby's not in you anymore yeah I think another thing as well what's really important to talk about is and I'm sure that you and Gareth have experienced this and I have asked Nick if it's okay to talk about this is that you know after you've lost a baby and then you're trying for a baby again it is the most unsexy experience (laughs) because you are especially if you get obsessive around it like I did I am an I'm I'm quite a, I can be quite an addictive person. So once I get something into my head, I will, I just, I just need it to happen. And now, like yesterday. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I was on all the apps. I was tracking everything and I would be like, right, I'm ovulating. We need to have sex. And he would just be like, whoa, Blow it out, lady. <laughs> of course, I'm going to have sex with you, but you're really taking the fun and joy out of it, babe. <laughs> um, and that happens to so many women. I've spoken to a lot of women about that. And it's not going to happen when you're like that because your body's like this, tight. And you need to be chilled out and you need to be in all the good, happy hormones. Obviously, with IVF, it is very different. Um but again, for it to work, you have to be in a good, you know, your body needs to be relaxed. Um, and it's when I ditched all of the apps and I let go mm. and I actually, I, 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 again, my, I, I track my cycles with the moon now and I, that's fine, but I, I ditched all of the apps and I just went with the flow. And I said, you know what? God, universe, whatever you want to call it, Mm. whatever comfortably with you, Mm. you know what? You give me a baby when you think it's right. Mm -hmm. I let go. I'm going to let go. I'm going to enjoy my life. Mm. Me and Nick have got a fabulous relationship. If we have a baby, great. If we don't, great. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's what mindset I went with. And we had a great time. I got engaged. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, and I was right in the middle of organizing the healing fest. And then I found out I was pregnant. I was like, really? Now you are a comedian, aren't you? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> What a lovely, um, what a lovely year in the end for you guys, you know, this year. 
I've loved watching your story unravel with Nick and yeah it just fills my heart up watching you guys go through and build your little life together with Riley and your little girl and I'm just over the moon for you and really grateful that you've come on today to share your story and answer such upsetting questions right there's no other way to put them you know like um so I'm just grateful that you're you've been willing to come and talk about these things because I know firsthand as you do that I have found enormous comfort not in the fact that others have walked this path and had this pain and had this sadness but enormous comfort to know that I haven't walked this path alone and that other women have been so amazing to share their experience with me and it's brought me so much comfort and so much hope and stopped me feeling alone so you know do this today I just hope that we give that to somebody else yeah and also something that we discussed before we started recording was I think for women that haven't experienced it or they know somebody that's experiencing it right now, they've got a friend that's lost a baby. The best thing, the best thing that one of my friends said to me after I lost a baby was, I'm here if you need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I'm here, but I'm not going to talk about it unless you want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And she was there and I think that's I said I was really sad because a lot of my friends that either were pregnant or just had a baby distanced themselves from me because they didn't know what to say mm-hmm. and that really made me feel sad but I understand it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing that you can say to a friend or somebody that you know has been through it is just say what do you need yes yeah I think anything, any statement that starts with at least dot, 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 and you can fill it in with anything you want (laughs) is basically unhelpful. (laughs) So anybody that starts something, well, well, at least dot, 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 Mm. statement of choice, (laughs) because that's all they are. They're statements. They're not compassionate or, you know, it's someone trying to put something in to fix a situation anything that starts with oh well or well at least dot 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 is basically just a no-go because what I'm realizing is is it's someone's opinion on your situation and it's not connecting it's not compassionate it's not empathetic or it's your view on someone else's situation and the minute you start doing that you lose the ability and the opportunity to connect with that person and meet them where they are um your one that you said what do you need is probably the number one perfect thing that you could say because everybody's needs are so different some people don't want to talk about it some people do want to talk about it and by saying what is it you need and even acknowledging like I've had a couple of people say I have no idea what to say or how to help you what do you need what can Mm -hmm. I do is almost better than trying to assume you know what to say. Um, Because you're actually meeting that person and being honest, like, I don't know what to do here, but I'm here. (laughs) What do you need? What can I do? And that's 
actually, I think, would solve lots of uh, clumsy blunders. Yeah, even though it's from the best intentions, isn't it? From the best intentions, people can say, people feel like they need to fix. So again, it's from, from a good place. Of course. Unhelpful, yeah. It's it, the, pro, the, pro, the problem with it is it feels heavy to the person that's already carrying quite a lot of weight. Um, so, yeah, I think if you don't know what to say or you've not experienced anything like that before, where you can have like that kind of relational connection on what a commonality, then just to just to acknowledge that you don't know what to say, but you're here and what do you need um, can be far more comforting and loving than you than you realize I think um than anybody realizes it's quite powerful because it's honest but you know loving at the same time right yeah 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 um so where can we find you okay so at the moment I am on maternity leave with my beautiful daughter Arabella Rose who is coming up for five months old I don't know when I'm coming back to work this is kind of my first debut step dipping my toe back into the water <laughs> yes you can find me on the healingrooms.co.uk or you can find me at laura underscore bedo underscore spiritual underscore coach or you can find me on Facebook, The Healing Rooms slash Sussex. Lovely. Um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on today and having this conversation with me um, and holding space for me at the same time. Um, so, yeah. Laura Bredo, everybody. And um, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me on my darling and yeah you're so so brave and you are going to help so many women and you are just an amazing person just a bubble of light so I will look forward to seeing you when you come to England next time on a better occasion I hope a happier occasion yeah <laughs> Thank you for listening and I look forward to introducing you to my guests in my next episode. Until then, don't forget to take care of you.